0: This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Well, happy Father's Day uh, to all you fathers out there. I mean, guess to... All you sons, hopefully you've done something for your father or found a way to remember your father. My son sent me a nice little um, care package, if you will. He's stationed out at uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord, I think it is. Did I get that right? I think I did. He's in the Air Force, active duty. stationed out there, and he sent his dear old dad this great package with uh, hamburgers, and uh, a whole meal kit in there that we're going to put on the grill probably Monday, the way things are looking. But, you know, I appreciated them thinking about me. And uh, it is Father's Day, and leading up to this, uh got me to thinking a little bit about my father, of course, and what kind of guy he is. And I thought, you know, let me just share a few insights on what I think it means to be a good father. And I don't have the lock on this, by the way. It's not like I wrote the book on being a good father. I've made some mistakes. You want me to talk about the mistakes I've made? I don't really dwell on it, and I don't really dwell on it from my father either. Uh, In fact, I was having a conversation with a friend about this, and maybe I'll talk about it a little bit more. But we were talking a little bit about our fathers. Both of our fathers have done so many incredible things. Uh, But yet you'll find that people, most of them family members, Want to point out all the negatives, all the things that they did wrong, and I'm very familiar with this because I'm at the point in my life right now. I'm also receiving the same kind of treatment, and I don't know. Maybe it's the just the, um, the cycle of life. I don't know. You know, as we get to be the older, dominant males in the herd, I know this is this kind of talk is just anti-progress, anti-democracy. But I think it's a fact. It's just you always have the um, The next generation looking to move in. It's a natural instinct, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't look at my father through the mistakes that he's made. I don't even really think about it. I think the thing that I would say stands out to me most about my father is that I always felt that he did his best to be the best father that he could. I always felt that way. And what else can you ask of somebody, really, that they just do the best that they can? And my father certainly, uh, you know, we had some some difficult, challenging, tough times, you could say, growing up. uh, But my father was very resilient. He always worked incredibly hard, work, 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 physically, long hours, didn't didn't seem to slow down. And uh, that was the type of guy he was. That and and just did so many things. I could go on. And amazing things. Uh, my father was a, a carpenter, a cabinet maker. Um, he did incredible wood carving. He had uh, created this uh, 3D pantograph to to replicate wood carvings with a pinhead router, a, a duplicator. Before these things were available, he had made one. And now you could just you could buy this stuff off the shelf; it's mass produced. But back then, it wasn't. Uh, And and anybody who knows what I'm talking about, you know, and this was back in the early 80s, way ahead of his time in that regard, Uh, and so many other things. When uh, he was uh, carving these Corinthian capitals for custom furniture, most people don't know what that is. It was very ornate, very, very high-end, high-quality custom furniture. And these ornate uh, capitals on these polisters. Uh, had this certain detail, and it was very difficult to carve with the knives that he, he went and forged his own knives. He would rebuild motors, car, uh, cut up a deer, you know, all in the same <laughs> afternoon, seemingly. No stopping. Uh, he read a lot. He read a lot. He learned a lot. And I guess if you were to ask me what my favorite memory of my father is, I would say it was that, that the— uh, I enjoyed learning from him. He always taught me a lot, and I think he enjoyed He taught me to shoot, taught me to shoot bow and arrow. And there was a time where I would shoot, shooting and shooting and shooting, and couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And my father stood behind me, and he said, where are you aiming? He said, your arrows are hitting right where you're aiming. I said, I'm aiming at the target. He said, no, you're not. And what was the problem? Well, the problem was I'm left-handed. My dominant eye, I guess, is my right eye. How's that work? I always forget which one's the dominant one, the one you close or the one you open. Anyway, I needed to shoot left-handed. That began an interesting journey. But my father, he he was always uh, teaching. um, We always did a lot. And I had a unique relationship with him in that regard. Uh, The time I spent with him out in the woods, out in his wood shop, working with him, none of my siblings really had that same opportunity to, to get to know him that way. And it was very interesting, the conversation I had with my good friend, we were mostly talking about his father at the time, but both of our fathers are very much alike in many ways, real renaissance men. You know, my father was an incredible musician, which I'm not. He um, was an incredible athlete, which I'm not. And uh, on top of that, all these other things that he could do, just really a, a, a renaissance man, I would say. It was like there was no end to what he could do. He, he learned how to use a computer. He uh, still does, even even at his age now. He's uh, just always been able to stay up on things, always been able to learn, always been able to uh, educate himself in any way. There was never any stopping. I always admired that. Isn't that something to be admired, I guess? You want to look at, it, at your father as somebody who knows no boundaries, right? You want to know him as Superman in a sense. I think my father d- delivered on that. It was just never a challenge that uh, he wasn't willing to take on and usually ended up making it look kind of easy at the end of the day. And I would say to you that um, it was not my goal to be the same kind of father as my father is. There was definitely things that uh, I uh, choose to do differently with my children. I don't even really dwell on that either. I'm just me in terms of, of, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. But I'll tell you partly the reason why I wanted to bring it up, especially right now and and using today to discuss this topic. And I'm going to talk about it more in in the next couple of days, the attack on families, the attacks on straight white males. What do I mean by that, the attacks? You know, it's not like the gay bashing that was going on in the 70s that I witnessed that. And that was wrong. Right, We've tried to find this path of what's right, but I think somehow we have missing the mark now as well. Wouldn't you agree? And so, no, you don't have straight white males being beat up for being straight white males like you had gay bashing. But all the same, you have people losing their jobs, being accused of things, and uh, making life much harder, much more stressful for fathers. And not even just white, but all races. It's hard to be a father today. Now, it's hard to be a mother, but today's Father's Day, and I'm talking about being a father. You know, today, uh, as a father, you're expected to, you know, maybe not be the breadwinner in every case the same way. In some cases, not at all. I see stay at home dads today. Uh, but there's still the economic challenges of being a parent, either way, right? You're making sacrifices. And fathers today, they're expected to do everything. Dads today have to be able to do everything virtually that mom does, plus take care of their dad duties. Mom would tell you the same thing. And I don't know. Is it a good thing or not? I guess it depends on how you like to have your family. In our house, my wife takes the lead on the motherly duties. I take the lead on the house and the outside duties. Is it fair? No, not really. She does a lot more than I do at this juncture, but hopefully over time, maybe it'll even out. I don't know. It's not really the point either. For us, I think it's a labor of love. We're both uh, very committed to contributing to the progress, the real tangible progress of our family. We recognize that life is a process, a journey that occurs in cycles, and we're currently in one cycle, and that cycle is going to last about 10 years. My daughter just finished second grade. She's going to finish high school in 10 years, and that's going to be the end of a cycle and the beginning of a new cycle that's going to bring new challenges. At that time, I'm going to be in my 60s, 62 years old. Crazy to think about it. That, too, is going to be a new cycle, all part of the journey. But this, this journey right now, this cycle of being a father of a young child and the father of an adult male now, he's 24. Four, embarrassed. Um, But I'm still his father. I still provide guidance to him. And, of course, it's different. You know, my son, uh, I I definitely was tougher on my son. But I don't think I'm easy on my daughter either. Uh, You know, my lines are my lines. I don't really waver a whole lot with anybody. Not for the most part. My son uh, and my daughter, one of my greatest joys is watching them learn to swim. Two th- totally different stories. A- and then my own, a third totally different story. Ten years old, they had to pull me out of the bottom of a pool. Horrific, really. It wasn't until I joined the Marine Corps at 17 years old that I really learned how to swim. Like, I could kind of like float around like a injured walrus. <laughs> If you want to call that swimming. But it wasn't enough to pass the Marine Corps swim test, and that's where I learned. And I went on to become a, a really great, I, don't know, I shouldn't say great, good, strong swimmer. Not too much that would, um uh, you know, make me nervous as far as water is concerned. I'm swimming some pretty crazy stuff at this point. Not that I'm looking to test that at all. So then my son, I didn't want him to have to go through it. It was important to me. I read about it. Six months old, I took him in the pool. as a little technique. I just throw him in the pool at six months. No. I was in the water with him, bounce him up and down, count to three, and on three, whoosh, blow on his face. And you take him underwater, and they instinctively hold their breath. And he was about the age of my daughter, seven, eight years old. We were at the community pool at the time, and he said, Dad, I'd like to go swim by myself with my friends. I said, absolutely not. Oh, come on, Dad. I said, you'll know when, you, when you're good enough to swim. He said, what do I have to do? I said, I'll tell you what. And my thought was if you can swim across the pool without touching the bottom, you could get yourself out of trouble, right? And I said, if you can swim across and back without touching, we're going to put a, factor, a safety factor a two on this. So he swims over without touching the bottom. He swims back and over and back and over and back. And finally, all right, that's enough. Go have fun with your friends. And uh, he is an incredible, incredible swimmer, always has. My daughter is a little different path. My wife says, no, 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 no. You are not dunking her in the water. And I said, oh, come on. (laughs) Nope. So she went a more traditional route. And it was a rocky start. She couldn't hold her breath. She wasn't comfortable in the water. And I thought, uh, for a couple of years there, I thought you should have just let me dunk her in the water. Well, then we found the right kind of lesson for her. We just needed that right encouragement. And boom, she took off. And then I was able to get in the water with her and share some of the things that I knew. And uh, and she, at eight years old, is swimming. I did the same test. I says, let me see you swim across. Swim's across and back and back and back. I'm like, all right, knock it off. And with, this, with these show-off kids. <laughs> My son, it's amazing. Uh, he's passed me and swimming in many other ways. But I want to um, just share a couple of big-picture things with you here on this short podcast so you can get back to your Father's Day, hopefully. Grilling and chilling, something like that. We're going out to dinner. There's a neat little uh, Italian restaurant that we found, very reasonably priced, very grand portions, and very good food. Be looking at that, and then tomorrow I'm going to grill up this box of goodies my my son sent me. But it's more more to it. Right now, when you look at what's going on in, here in our country and around the world, the number one thing that we can do to 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 right that ship. The number one thing that we could do to have an impact on our communities, our future, the future of humanity, is to develop ourselves to be the best fathers that we can possibly be and raise the best possible children that we can. It's no laughing matter. And maybe it's been a few generations now since people have seen the importance of that and what it means to have good kids. You know, when I think of good kids, you know what I think of? I think of my father, hardworking. And caring. What else can you ask for? Able and willing. You know, life isn't always going to go well. It's not always going to be easy. Circumstances aren't always going to be grand. But it comes down to the, the, the basic uh, beliefs and morals of the people. And it's simply that, staying positive, moving forward, and working hard. Able and willing to continue to move forward every day. To wake up even when, when you're tired, when you're hurting, and it seems like uh, just useless to do anything. You got to keep going. Got to keep going. I don't know. You know, uh, the best thing um, I would say to, for being a parent uh, that I would recommend is to stay positive. And I, I could go on and on about this, but um, I see, and I don't mean to be judgmental. You know, everybody's got to take on their own style, but, you know, some of the ways that people talk to their kids and. Uh, the negativity, the berating, or, well, what are we supposed to do when they're wrong? Think of yourself like as like a coach as much as a parent. And I'm not saying, in, in both cases, you, you need to be able to discipline. But making sure that that discipline is, is being realized for, as being loving and compassionate because the outcome is so important, that's a lot different than uh, discipline because you're ticked off. You see what I'm saying? I don't mean to get too preachy about how to be a parent. It's not really why I brought it up. But I think being positive, you know, um, I'll give you an example. My son, he moved out to Washington, and I was so nervous about him and what him and his girlfriend were going to do. And it was causing me so much anxiety. And the easy thing for me would have been to, you know, start telling him what to do, and I I resisted the effort. And they ran into trouble on the move. And I, and it, oh, I was just dying. I'm like, I'm going to have to get out there. you moving truck breaks down in Northern California. Can you imagine, right? I'm thinking, how am I going to get out there and help this kid? He's not a kid. He's a man. I had to just grit my teeth. And I just told him, hey, just hunker down. You get through it. You're getting close. It'll all work out. Stay positive. Stay positive with your kids. Stay positive with your family as best you can. It's hard. Hard, particularly in the world that we're living in. Crazy when you think about it. The challenges of, of being a father. I know, the few things I'm going to talk about this week, the attacks on family, the attacks on our safety. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, and it, it doesn't appear that, that it's shifting in a positive direction. That's for sure. Only Only indication is, that the world's going to be more turbulent. I hope at the very least I've put a couple things in your mind today. Look at the things that your father did well, at least for today. You know, every, for some reason, some people, many people, and maybe it's a part of the, the, the spiritual war we're going through right now, but uh, look at your, your father through the, the positive lens too, through a compassionate lens. Maybe he was just doing the best he could under the circumstances as well. You want to continue to give him a hard time. Uh, Look at your own mistakes, but try to find those good things that your father did. Hopefully there's at least a few. And what kind of father are you? That's really what you should be. And guess what? Never too late to become better at anything. I always look to, you know, I talk about life being a, a journey and, Going through cycles, same thing as I'm going this cycle my son's in right now, right? He's an adult, he's moving around, he's early in his career. And it's crazy to me. When I look back and I'm thinking, it was a lot crazier what I was doing back then. Time has a lot of perspective, that's for sure. Fathers are important. We need it more than others. So that's the last thing I want to tell you. Start with your own, but we need to be supporting our fathers. It's the most important job on the planet right now. I kid you not. And that's not going to change anytime soon. God willing, I hope to be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.